0: judgment. We all do it and Harry and Meghan are international symbols for our dogmatic belief that we are somehow entitled to judge others. But how does this actually serve us? Today we're digging into what judgment is and how damaging it can be to relationships and we're also taking a bit of a different look at Harry and Meghan's relationship through the team lens exploring all the ways these two in fact embody the values of being a team and having each other's back. Today's episode is about Harry and Meghan. I'll try and say Megan correctly. Megan, Megan, Megan. I'm pretty Megan,
1: Megan. I think Megan in the states. Megan here.
0: Ah, okay, all right. Well, let's try and do right by old Megs. It's uh, Harry and mm-hmm. Meghan, and I'm kind of excited for this episode because we watched we both watched their Netflix series recently, and we sat out the front afterwards and really reflected on uh, what had been happening for them and how they came out in in the Netflix series. And something that really struck both of us was this sense that they've been so mercilessly judged as part of this whole process. And we really had quite a deep conversation about that judgment and it brought up for us the ideas around judgment and... How damaging they can be when we don't we don't have awareness of our own um, natural proclivity to judge, and and how damaging it's been for those two. Uh, so yeah, we decided we would do a podcast talking about that judgment and also talking about their beautiful relationship.
1: Yeah, um, not to skip to the the juicy part um, right away, but we do believe. Megan and Harry are a great team but yeah first we're focusing on non-judgment and we live in a very judgmental world these days. Everyone has the ability to broadcast and receive just like a television station like when we grew up and I think you know, with great power comes great responsibility, and I think we're pretty irresponsible as sometimes. And I know definitely I have to catch myself sometimes when I'm looking at a, a footy player or or a celebrity or something along 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 those lines, and and catch myself with maybe or maybe my thoughts are a bit judgy. I'm not someone who sort of you know tweets or messages on on stories like. People used to write into the editor now. You can see the common sections of YouTube, Facebook, Instagram or, or even just online stories and see how judgmental people are and that's before you even get to the stage of someone being a troll.
0: Mm. So let's sort of maybe unpack what, what judgment is a little bit then uh, for people wondering. Judgment is about projecting our own version of reality which is reality our whatever we believe reality is is to us but we project that onto someone else so we don't give them the freedom and the space to be themselves we project all our own beliefs Uh, all our own moral codes onto these people and so when we when we do that when we project onto people our own beliefs and moral codes we devalue their own sense of self their own individualism who they are and we close off a lot of opportunity for connection learning growth all of those things and one of the key indicators that you are judging someone is that you'll label them It's probably the most common way people will be able to become aware of their own judgment of others. They will notice themselves labeling either in their mind or even outwardly, she's such a, he's such a, and and really at its core, that is judgment.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of that comes from, I guess, our own insecurities, and I know you'll talk a bit about this, but... You know, there's the old saying that you shouldn't throw stones if you live in a glass house and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of pebbles coming towards uh, Megan and Harry and, I, you know, I just put the comment out there as like, you know, yes, people obviously believe they have the right because he's a prince and she's a celebrity and so they're two of the most recognisable people in the world to have their say on it. And, you know, sometimes I believe, well, okay, maybe there's a bit of a social contract out there where you do get to have your say, um, but that doesn't mean you have to say terrible and mean things. And I think a lot of the time it can come from someone's own insecurity and they're just projecting.
0: Completely agree. When we look at Harry and Meghan specifically and how judgment has played out around them, there is this cultural mindset that it's fine for us to judge certain people whilst we might not be as okay with judging ordinary people, for some (laughs) reason, when someone is really successful or is very privileged and the royals really fit into that category, we feel like we have some sense of um, righteousness towards judging them and it, it, it really speaks to the whole idea of being able to judge someone it, it removes the idea that first and foremost, the royals are humans. First and foremost, we should treat them with humanity. And for some reason, with the royals, it's it's judgment on steroids. And it's one of the reasons we want to talk about it today because it really shows judgment. It's, it's like... A, magnified right it's a really great example of how judgment shows up in a really big way because the whole world is judging them and this sense of this sense of being allowed to judge them removing their their person their who they are and judging them simply for an expectation or a role or an idea we have in our minds of who they should be it's a really sad way of living in a world with other humans. It, it really takes away the humanity in the situation.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, we, we sit there and we judge their actions. We judge the Royal Family. We judge Harry and Meghan. We judge the fact that they're making $100 million reportedly via Netflix to talk about their story. And a lot of their story is um, arguably flinging a bit of mud back at the the firm, which is the name that all the rules actually call the the monarchy, and, and the truth is that I I believe that the monarchy in general in the UK very much has this relationship with the press, um, and, and they say this where it's it's a bit of give and take, and I think they also believe that the firm believes that any press is good press. They have to stay relevant. Now Harry and Megan themselves, they're sitting there going, well. You know, fr- from Harry's point of view, and I think that's a great thing to talk about, is that um, maybe one of the first things we do when we want to start looking at how we can't cannot judge someone is to be a bit empathetic mm-hmm. and have empathy, mm-hmm. is that, you know, Harry's grown up since the death of his mother, Diana, through virtually the fault of the paparazzi and the media, um, with that sort of hanging over him his whole life. And so he has a distaste for the media he wants to protect his wife they want to protect each other but that also gives them the right to go and make some money on conversely on the other side like i actually have no problem with them monetizing who they are and their relationship
0: well why should you (laughs) it's not your world they're not they're not you that's what blows my mind in all this is why is it up to us we all live Within obviously different cultures there are different rules but our culture is very similar to theirs, right? So within this culture that we live in with them, the, we have the same rules. They, they are – yes, they were born with privilege and, and I understand that for for people that can be feel very difficult when you see people being given advantage in life and you feel like – they're still whinging. I think that's where a lot of this comes from. But I would say where you can, try and strip that away and see them as the humans. And I think that's what Harry has been begging people to do. He's saying – and that's why he came out and he did the Netflix special with Megan. But also he's come out with his book, The Spare, which I'm just finishing now, and it's, it's brilliant. I absolutely – Love it.
1: You've got a lot of empathy for him.
0: Yeah, because he's a really empathic person himself. And listening to him, all he's doing is being vulnerable and sharing who he is as a human and how he's struggled his whole life since his mother passed away at the very young age of 12. How could how could anybody not struggle in those formative years losing a parent?
1: And just because he's a prince doesn't mean it hurts any. It's ridiculous
0: to think that it, you know, he had this massive trauma very young in life, absolutely massive. And he's just saying, I struggled. I have struggles. I, you know, I don't want to be subjected to all of the press, but I still need to make money for my family and I still have ambitions and I still have dreams and goals. And for some reason, because he's not doing exactly what we expected of him, the world feels like it's justified in saying, Uh Uh-uh, if you're not going to do what we expect, you're not allowed to do anything. We're going to tell you what you can do. And I just find that so – do you know what? I find it really unfair and really hypocritical because when anyone comes at us individually to judge us, we say, don't judge us, don't tell me what to do. And yet Harry's asking for just the simple same idea, just don't judge me. That's all he's saying. And yet people won't – they won't afford him that.
1: Look, as I said earlier, there is a bit of a social contract. Like we, we live in a world of social contracts, right? And there is a bit of a social contract as if you put yourself out there and then you monetize it. Especially, you sort of are putting yourself up there to be taken down. Now, that doesn't mean it's right. In fact, it's extremely unfair. And I often see, I often see uh, on television or in news articles when someone's out there going and having a crack i feel we do this in australia a lot we're so quick to want to tear them down and bring them down instead of actually sitting there and going hey do you know what like good on you for going out there having a crack and being different not doing something everyone else would do and in the end like harry and megan have done something very different again it might look from afar that they're privileged because he's a prince and she's a celebrity but they don't feel any less they don't hurt any less um, and who are we? We're not the gatekeepers of happiness. We can't say you can be happy, you can't be happy because of your privilege or where you came from.
0: I think the social contract is the big, or the, as you call it, the social contract let's say that like cultural mindset, whatever you want to call it. I think that's a big part of the picture that I definitely wanted to discuss today because really I I would just ask everybody listening today, to do what I do when I notice myself judging or am even considering this idea of judgment is ask yourself how it serves you to judge another human. What does it do for you when you judge another human?
1: That's jarring to to even think about that. It's so jarring and then then you have to take the next step which is actually looking at yourself.
0: It is. That's right because for me – judgment does not serve me in any way it gives me a moment of reprieve from my own insecurities because I feel like I've put myself above someone in some way that I'm somehow better than them with this idea that that being better than them is what I would somehow want in the world why would I want to be better than my fellow man that doesn't even make sense why would I not want to lift up my fellow man um, but once that passes, I mean that is instantaneous. I actually feel worse. I feel worse because it's brought me nothing. Judging someone else, what what have I achieved by doing that?
1: No, well, you, you haven't really achieved anything except maybe some short term relief. And again, if you really did look inside, you might inside you might actually see a bit of shame. And I know uh, Ryan Holiday, um, who does the Daily Stoic, he really talks a lot about how stoicism. It was be be kinder to people than you are on yourself, you know? And I think, you know, I think in some ways it was meant of like, you know, be be tough on yourself in terms of, you know, making sure you push yourself, but be... Be kind to people. Give them a break. You don't know their lives. You know, we talk a lot about this is that you don't know what's going on behind closed doors and it goes both ways where just like we might look at the neighbours in their new car or, you know, they've just gone on a holiday to Italy. We don't know what's happening behind closed doors on the converse. And so, again, judgment often comes with a lot of assumptions which can be really dangerous.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when we think about judgment, one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this magnified version of judgment today was really to think about it from a relationship perspective and think about the damage it does to the relationship. And I guess what we're just talking about now is bringing up for me one of the big things that judgment does for a relationship is it reduces connectedness because when you're busy judging someone – You're not finding common ground with them. You're not finding any sort of uh, empathy for them, understanding for them. What you're doing is actually disconnecting yourself. You're saying, that's not aligned with me. I'm judging you for that. And in a relationship, that's very damaging. It's very hard for you to grow your connection when you're busy judging someone for those reasons. Well,
1: how can that other person, the other person in your relationship, feel safe when they feel that anything they're going to do might have the consequence of even as simple as your Absolutely. As your not not hatred but you know your disdain yes. um, or you oh, know or, such a
0: good oh. word, and I think <laughs> thank you <laughs> you know I love my words <laughs> disdain is is actually what judgment is, and it it's
1: Oh, it's such an awful it's word. It's a dirty word. I don't word. know why you like that word. It's that's awful. why I love it
0: because a word that captures what people are actually doing it being disdainful, it really hits home as to how corrosive judgment is being disdainful is corrosive it does not help anything it it erodes away whatever you have there and that's exactly what judgment does in a relationship it erodes away your sense of security your sense of safety your trust in the person your connectedness with them all of those things but the other half of that that's so important is not only does it impact your relationship and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about this later but it impacts your relationship with yourself When you constantly judge someone else, you are reinforcing – we are training our own brains every single day. We'll talk a lot about that in in this podcast because once you understand that I am the biggest teacher of my – to myself, I am my own teacher, no one teaches my brain more than myself. Get caught in a loop thinking about how that works. But as a result, whatever you put out – you know, people say whatever you put out in the world is what you get back. It's actually – What you put out in your own brain is what you get back. So if you're busy judging others, you can guarantee that brain is learning how to judge yourself twice as fast.
1: Yeah, and it becomes a subconscious practice after a while, after doing it again and again and again. And that's super dangerous for your long-term mental health. And, you know, maybe a partner won't be sticking around to help you out with that either because you've been so judgmental of them.
0: Well, it's also cyclical, right? If you judge someone else, the brain learns to judge you more, you judge yourself more and then you're getting caught in that really sad negative spiral of if I have those negative thoughts, you know, I'm going to behave negatively, that's going to reinforce those negative thoughts, feelings, it's all going to come back around in a circle. So you literally, you'll get stuck in a loop of negative thoughts, feelings, emotions and, and it permeates every part of your life.
1: Well, conversely, if you can work into an area with your partner of non-judgment then you then receive some great benefits including self-compassion etc and uh, take us through some this is your area
0: oh okay <laughs> is that because i'm the least judgmental
1: oh uh yes <laughs> <laughs>
0: no no you're 100 percent right um the benefits of so non-judgment is a term i love to use because it's part of mindfulness and i'm you know i'm a big Um, promoter of of mindfulness but um, I know that that might actually um, raise some questions for people because they're thinking that's ridiculous how do you not judge right we're wired so I'm just going to caveat it quickly we are wired to judge from a safety perspective as well so you confuse people for a second but bear with me. We judge because our brain is constantly working out whether it's safe in the world. So what it's trying to do is deduce whatever information it's getting from outside and make a decision as to whether that's a safe or an unsafe way to go, right? So we do need some form of judgment. It's when it becomes the negative toxic form of judgment that isn't related to safety um, that obviously it impacts us differently so we're not saying don't ever judge we're saying learn to observe yourself when judging and i'll get to that in a little bit more but i just wanted to caveat it before people are like oh i'm tuning out this is non-judgment is ridiculous it's not possible yeah, i'm so judging you kim because you're waffling on about non-judgment <laughs> well this is this is funny when you realize that you yeah you, it's, it's, you get caught judging the non-judging anyway i move on so in terms of the benefits in a relationship for, for trying to practice non-judgment or at least minimizing your judgment there you build openness and trust when you stop telling the other person what you're judging them for what they're doing wrong how it doesn't align with your view of the world you're saying you know what it's safe for you to be yourself i'm, I'm gonna let that be i'm gonna enjoy that i'm gonna embrace that it also builds understanding that we came into the world with different views and when we have that understanding that we came into the world with different well came into the world with different views, we've developed different views from our own childhood and lives it's an appreciation also of the fact that we grow by understanding other people's perspective we grow by fostering empathy and respect for others That's how we grow as humans. Otherwise, we're limited to only our own view, which is crazy. Why would you only want to stay with your own view of the world? How
1: how do you grow when you're only... You know, this is the the theory of of the um, confirmation bias, where if you only look for your own opinions or people online will only look for data that backs up their claims, you can all of a sudden become very narrow-minded and then you're less likely to grow internally just like a business is less likely to innovate if they close off new ideas and new um, opinions and suggestions from outside with their competitors or inside with their staff.
0: 100 percent and the other thing that practicing minimizing judgment and I'll explain how to do that in a little bit because I don't want people to think they need to suppress their thoughts that's not at all that's basically impossible and it's not what we're here about it, suppressing thoughts is not something we practice we practice uh, and uh, becoming aware of thoughts that's really what i was what i was saying before but the getting back to the benefit of minimizing judgment or letting go of judgments is a reduction in hubris and self-righteousness in and in a relationship how this shows up is that you have far more constructive conflict. Now, that might sound like a funny turn of phrase, but you and I talk about how important um, conflict can be to expressing ourselves and having a freedom and a safety and building trust and understanding of difference of opinion and ideas and all of those things. But if you bring judgment into conflict – you will very quickly distance yourself from the person you're having that conflict with. Now, you can have really healthy conflict, which we have all the time. This morning, yesterday, constant healthy conflict.
1: But but we respect each other and we respect each other's opinions, each other's point of views and that we often say to each other at the end of an argument or maybe – the, the back end of an argument is, hey, I just see things differently to you. And yes. when I feel that when we were younger, that, that might not have worked. But today, um, because for so many years we've been practicing empathy, practicing non-judgment with just our day-to-day interactions, very much it's a, like an awakening moment where you go, yeah, you're right. You do see things differently to me. And not only that, that's okay. We do not need to agree on everything. In fact, we need to respect each other's right to disagree.
0: Absolutely agree. I I think, like you say, it's practice as well. And that's something that, you know, just moving towards, um, I guess, giving people some some clues on how they can start changing their approach to judgment. Um, One of the first things what you're talking about is practicing. It takes time. Right, The brain learns these things over and over again. So, the more you practice becoming aware, so first thing, becoming aware of your thoughts, oh, if you see a label popping up, she's such a, I don't know, idiot. It's the scariest word I can think of on the spot. <laughs> it's a label. You are judging that person. That's when you start to know, oh. Maybe maybe I've got some judgment going on here. So bring some awareness to that space. And once you start to bring some awareness, and you practice that over again, over and over again, you'll find that it, your brain naturally starts bringing awareness. So your brain will start cueing you. You won't have to think, "Oh, am I being judgy?" Your brain will just say, "Hang on a second, I think that this might be judgment here." So, and when we and when we become aware of judgment we we don't want to try and force it out we don't judgment happens like i said we are biologically wired to keep ourselves safe and judgment is is part of that when we become aware of it we just want to practice letting it go so just saying I don't need that. That doesn't serve me. I'm just going to let that pass by. And,
1: and sometimes you do just need to – look, if someone if – sometimes in the past, if you'd said to me, hey, just just take a, take a breath, like in the middle of a fight, I'd be like – um, but <laughs> – um, The we kettle. Tre- uh, yeah, the <laughs> kettle. Um, uh, but at the same time, I think it is important that you yourself – you know, there's a great book called Think Fast, Think Slow mm-hmm. – and so, really taking a breath sometimes just allows your your you know critical thinking brain to uh, overtake your reptilian brain, which is 100%. where all your subconsciouses are, um, your subconscious thoughts. Where over time you've built up these patterns, maybe to be a bit judgy. And so, what you can do is try slow down your thinking. Uh, by breathing in will help you slow your uh, heart rate, increase the oxygen into your body, and it might actually just give you that moment to pull back and go, hey, my subconscious wants me to judge and bite back, um, but my critical thinking brain, my smart brain, um, is thinking, hey, wait a second, um, you know, I, I love this person. I actually, it doesn't mean that much to me what they're saying. Yeah, it riles me a little bit, but she, she he have, it has every right to say what they're saying.
0: I think that's just a great way of explaining it, and so in those moments, taking a breath is a really great way of accessing more resources in your brain. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So really, really good example. Um, so awareness, taking a breath once you've become aware, and just practicing letting the thoughts go, not being not not trying to force them out, and as I've said before, practicing. Uh, really importantly probably most importantly practicing self-compassion and non-judgment with yourself that is the fastest way and most effective way to actually retrain the brain in interactions with others as well so
1: yeah and I think you know that really is a great segue onto how we thought how a lot of people think about Megan and Harry and how when we first came up with the idea to have a podcast about them that it wasn't a podcast about, oh, you know, you know, she does this, he does that, they say this, they're up against their family. It was actually a podcast of, our, of us taking judgment out, thinking slowly and going, do you know what it is actually that is cool about Megan and Harry? They're a team. Mm. They're a real team. They, they seem to have each other's back. They seem to want to live for each other and I don't think there's any doubt because you can see it through the actions, let alone their words, that they're putting their relationship first.
0: Yeah, it was a big part of wanting to do this podcast. One, we wanted to talk about the judgment because we know that can be super helpful to people in their relationships and their lives. And two, we really actually wanted to highlight what an incredible team they are and I can already hear the tut tutters out there. Let me just say, if you are tut tutting me right now, just watch your
1: judgment. <laughs> yeah, watch your judgment. <laughs> Didn't you just listen to the first twenty minutes of the podcast?
0: <laughs> no, they, their team is just amazing, and I think um, really what under underscores that that incredible team they have is the concept that uh, we are just huge fans of the couple bubble. And I, I yeah, um,
1: so Doctor Stan Tatkin, he's a, um, a Psych PhD. He's a a clinical researcher and a clinical therapist, does a lot of couples therapy. He's been doing this for decades. Um, He came up with the concept of the couple bubble. And really, um, in short, this is the concept that when two people come together in a relationship, that the relationship then performs, the relationship then becomes its own identity. And that identity forms a cocoon around them and creates a safe, and secure environment.
0: Yeah, it's it's actually its own entity as well, yes. I think he talks about. It's its, its own um, functioning thing, right, outside of the two individuals. And thinking about a relationship like that is is just so powerful because when you think of a relationship as having its own identity and being a separate entity from the two individuals, you start to realise that you can really nurture it like you would a fragile egg, right? Because it is really fragile, especially if you think at the beginning. I mean, you just, you you do nurture it a bit more. No egg and spoon
1: races here. What? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I assume that's the most dangerous place for an egg is an egg and spoon race. You don't think? Okay, anyway, keep keep going.
0: I guess it depends on your level of coordination. Anyway, um, yeah, so thinking about it as this separate entity and having its own identity uh, really encourages and helps you to think about how you can nurture. The relationship itself
1: yeah and um for those people who are already going oh wait a second the couple bubble putting the relationship first the relationship being its own entity you know what do you think a corporation is a corporation is uh a corporation is introduced uh, two business people or multiple business people will incorporate a company so the The company has its own identity and the corporate veil will protect the people inside it. They can then come together with a a focused purpose and perform and do great things. And in a lot of ways, it's very similar to the couple bubble. The couple bubble is created by two people coming together going, we're going to put the relationship first. This, This relationship has its own identity and we're both going to do that. We're going to align our values. We're going to have a joint purpose. And we're going to go through life backing each each other up no matter what. And the healing qualities of that, especially when it comes to the the deep-seated attachment issues we all have from um, when we were kids and that we bring into today. And at a very high level, maybe I'll do it just because I'll give the layman's level. Well, you'll probably give a very good... (laughs) I'm already concerned
0: (laughs) about the fact that you've blanketly labelled everybody (laughs) as having deep-seated attachment This is what
1: Dr... No, sorry. Not everyone has deep-seated attachment issues, no. but everyone brings uh, issues or uh, th- how you how you interact with the world and your primary caregivers when you're an, in- an infant, which we generally can't remember. So it does go into our subconscious. Subconscious is how we often will then. It will have an impact on how we interact with our relationships, not just our intimate relationships but with our our friends, of our family, and, and our colleagues. It has that impact, and what Dr. Stan Tatkin is saying is that via the couple bubble, those those attachment issues, um, whether they are great or or very small, can be can be healed over time.
0: A hundred percent. The so attachment theory, in, in very basic terms, is the theory that. Um, Uh, uh, It's a theory explaining an emotional bond connection between two individuals and uh, what it talks about or what it theorises is that, as you said, how you are engaged with as a child will significantly impact the way you then go on to engage the world as an adult. Um, so how you expect to receive love and how you engage in giving love um, and how you engage in your interactions with others. And um, yeah, so attachment theory found that those children that had nurturing and responsive attachment figures didn't have to be mum or dad, could be someone else who was close, but as long as they received nurturing and responsive Behaviors consistently and, and love and, and emotions, and all of those sorts of things, um, they would go on to have a secure attachment. And a secure attachment allows you to uh, feel safe in the world and that allows you to explore the world further. And what Stan Tatkin talks about, this couple bubble, is just the perfect way to set up a secure attachment as an adult. Because as is just saying now, even if you didn't have a secure attachment as a child, you can foster that as an adult in the right relationship. You can absolutely have secure attachment and you can mend, mend the way you engage in the world so you can heal yourself so that some of those maladaptive ways, those, those practices or those behaviours that haven't served you, you can actually let them go and, and engage in the world differently if you have had a secure attachment with your partner. So you don't have to have had it from childhood, you can absolutely make that with your partner. And Stan Tatkin's couple bubble, it just is built to do that. It All of it focuses on building safety and security. So treating this relationship as its own entity, as having its own identity, and, and in that what you're trying to do is make that space as safe and secure as possible. And just naturally by making that space safe and secure, you're making the individual safe and secure. You are building secure attachment.
1: And when we're safe... When we feel safe, we're more likely to get the best out of ourselves 100%. and each other you know not, not to be nihilistic, but the world is a really tough place. And we can see on a large level this has happened with Megan and Harry and we don't know what went on with their in their childhoods um, you know we're, we're not going to guess, but we know for sure that they've got a, a secure and functioning couple bubble, which is making sure that their relationship, is going to prosper and them themselves are probably going to be stronger than if they had um, been apart individually or if they tried to live solo, solo lives um, past when they were were married. And I think one of the, the great things about that is at a micro level, if each of us can find that that attachment to another person and be brave enough to put the relationship first, be brave enough to go... I'm gonna give my all to you if you and not if, but and you'll give your all your all to me and we will put the relationship first. Harry even says it. He says, She gave up everything for me when she left Hollywood to become a princess. He then said, then I gave up everything for her when he left the royal family. And now it's the two of us, and now they're a team. In his own words, he said, we are a team now.
0: Yeah, they're such a beautiful example of the benefits of the couple bubble and having that secure attachment because, you know, Harry in his book has talked about past relationships a lot and he talks about – it was really interesting – he talks about uh, how he he didn't know whether they could manage with the pressure of of, of being a duchess or whatever was going to come in his life or being a royal. He, he really was questioning that in those relationships but – what struck me as I was listening, because I'm order, order, audibling his book, um, it, when I was listening to it, I realised with Megan, he actually has taken the leap away from his, his situation. So instead of just expecting her to give stuff up, it's what you just said, he's actually given a huge amount up himself because he instead of just saying, oh, I'm worried she won't be able to give it up, they've built this secure attachment where they're both willing to make sacrifices for the relationship for one another and as a result they're following their hearts they're following their dreams the way that it works for them not the way part of part of living outside of a couple bubble not having a couple bubble is that you prescribe to all of these social and cultural expectations you feel like i should be a royal i should be doing as i'm told i should be following what whoever king queen is telling me to do it's freeing it's my role versus if you're safe with someone else and you say you know what i don't want to do that i'm going to make a different choice you know no matter what that choice is you've got someone in your corner not just someone it's like giving me goosebumps the most important person on this earth has your back
1: you're not alone in this world
0: you are not alone my friend and i think that brings us to like our experience of the couple bubble. Lay
1: it on me. We didn't actually go through this in our notes, so I'm actually really excited to know what <laughs> our experience <laughs> what it of is. the couple
0: bubble, which has been absolutely magic. If we look and we often talk about the first decade of our relationship versus the second decade of our decade of our relationship in that first decade, we definitely ran those solo races. We did not prioritize the relationship. We did not see it as a separate entity to be nurtured and loved and fostered. And as a result we didn't feel safe to take risks I felt I actually remember thinking in those younger years if my family wasn't here not including you because we weren't married I would have no one in this world because you feel like your family generally and hopefully have your back even when you screw up royally that's kind of their job right it's in the blood but When you have a partner that you haven't built that secure attachment with, when you haven't built that beautiful couple bubble with, you don't feel like you have that option so you don't take as many risks you don't feel safe and secure your your world
1: is your world is closed in your world is closed and if you can just juxtapose that with how we live today and in the last eight to ten years how many risks we've taken and definitely risks that i know in my 20s and even early 30s i i probably wouldn't have taken you didn't even want to leave perth i thought i would never leave perth (laughs) and then when i left i was like i don't know i don't why 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 would I ever want to go back? I love experiencing the we world. Love Perth now. We do love Perth. We've <laughs> always loved Perth. It's one of the best places in the world. But you know, you know, you you had my back when I got a job opportunity in Melbourne. Um, you had to give up something that you really loved and enjoyed when you were doing your counselling. Um, you went over for me, pretty much. You went over for us, and that gave me a freedom to do my best. And so I really excelled at the the work I was in. And then when we came together and said, "Hey, if." If we had no uh, – Blue Sky Dreaming had no restrictions, where would we go? What would we do? And we said, well, we'd move to the ski fields in Japan.
0: Yeah, it's it's so crazy because I actually think that example of Melbourne is one of those really beautiful moments where you can see in a snippet in time that we 100% understood the couple bubble. Because when you got the job offer kind of out of left field and it was a really good offer – and you rang me and you told me and we had not talked about moving over the east at <laughs> no, that point at ever, all. ever, And I said to you, okay, we'll take some time. Let's go through it together. And you, you showed the respect to the relationship of saying, okay, I'm going to take the day off work. And we went to the beach and we went for a walk and we came home and we wrote down all of our fears, our pros and cons for the move, for the
1: relationship.
0: We didn't write these down individually and yeah. then share them. What,
1: Why is it good for you? Why is it no, good for me? We, we, we had just then well, – we, I think we'd done it before, but it was proof in the pudding that we were treating the relationship like yes. its own identity, like Isn't a that separate cool entity. Isn't cool to remember? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> good on us,
0: bro. I know. So amazing. <laughs> no, it, it does make me proud though. It really does. It makes me very proud when I think back to and that. And
1: again, you can see how – in earlier in our, our lives, we we didn't have a couple bubble. We were just looking after the two individuals and now we have that couple bubble. We are happier than ever and um, we are looking for more risk-taking and more adventures in the future.
0: Couldn't have said it better. So that was today's episode of Living the Team Life. Roggie, what's your key takeout from that episode?
1: Uh, My key takeout was, apart from the fact that Harry and Megan are a great team, my key takeout is the couple bubble and that if you think of your relationship as a separate entity, as having its own identity, then it's a lot easier to then treat it with respect, give it space, prioritise it. If you think of it as not just, oh, I'm doing this for them, I'm doing this for her, which should be enough anyway, but isn't always, saying, I'm doing this for us is a great first step to making sure that you're putting the relationship first and you're gonna get the best out of your relationship and life.
0: Absolutely. I think that's an awesome takeout. And for me, it's practicing the practicing the approach of becoming aware of your judgments especially to the self. So just starting to notice your own inner voice and when you're judging yourself, when you're being harsh on yourself, when you're labelling yourself as stupid or dumb or you know, whatever it is that is a harsh judgment on yourself, that is a judgment on yourself, just starting to notice it, just that very simple act of just starting to notice it and when you notice it, not judging yourself for noticing that you're being judgmental. Oof. I know. <laughs>
1: you're amazing. You've just spent quality time on your relationship.
0: Feel like you're on a roll? If you want more Living the Team Life relationship insights and conversations, head over to kimandroj.com where you can find all the show notes as well as tons of other relationship goodies.
1: And if you like today's episode, please hit subscribe or let another couple know where they can find us. It'll make them happy and it'll make us really happy.
0: Until next time, keep on living the team life.